0: As Tammy said, today we are actually ending a series called "Seeds." And this series is just a short, two-part series, and, and what we're doing in this series is we're exploring just some of the things that Jesus said about seeds and plants. Uh, Jesus often leveraged common things that, that people that he were t- was talking to understood, common things like seeds and plants and trees and agriculture. One time, Jesus told a story of a farmer scattering seed across different types of soil, and he compared those different types of soil to the condition of our hearts. And then Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a mustard seed, that even though it's the smallest of all seeds, it grows into the largest of garden plants and has an eternal impact. And so last week, what we did was we handed out little mustard seeds in bags. And I'm not not sure if you can see that in this bag, there is a mustard seed. It's a really small seed. And if you didn't get one of these last week, I encourage you to stop by at the back of each seeding section by our giving boxes. There are, uh, should be some more of these seeds. But it's got a question on the outside of the bag that I hope that, that you will use in your life to cause you to reflect on the purpose of your life. And it says this. This question is, what am I planting the seed of my life in that will last forever? The reality is, your life is a seed. That God wants you planted in him, growing in him, Reproducing others for him. God wants you planted in things that will last forever. Your life is a seed. So we're going to explore a little bit more about that today. And we're going to be in John chapter 12. So in John chapter 12, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. In verse 23, he says this. He says, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. So Jesus knew that he was about to die at this point. He was about to to die a horrible death on the cross. He talked to his disciples about that often. They didn't get it. They didn't understand what he was meaning when he said that. Some of them said, no, no, that's not going to happen. Like, we don't believe that. Uh, So they didn't understand, even though Jesus spoke about this on a regular basis. And then in verse 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. So last week, we learned about the primary purpose of seeds. The primary purpose of a seed is to reproduce itself. And Jesus says here that a seed that does not do that remains alone. And when I think that we look around the world today, we can see a whole lot of people who are alone. Whole lot of people who don't have a relationship with Christ. They're not planted in Him. They're not planted in a church family. They're not giving back from what God has given them. They're not investing of their time, talents, and resources in other people. And so my first question for us this morning is: are you alone? And I don't mean, are you married? I don't mean are you dating somebody. I mean, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you planted in him? Are you growing in him? Are you reproducing others for him? If you aren't doing those things, in the context of what Jesus is talking about, you're alone. You're a single seed that is not fulfilling the purpose that God has for us as seeds. So again, Jesus wants us planted and growing and reproducing. Now let's look closer at what Jesus said in verse 24. And this is the challenging part. He said, Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Now, Jesus was primarily talking about himself when he was speaking to his disciples uh, through these words. He was primarily talking about what he was going to do on the cross by taking the sin of the world on his shoulders as if he committed all those sins and to pay that sin debt for us. Anybody excited that Jesus did that for you? I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that Jesus said, like, I'll take their sin and their sin, and their sin. For all of history, for all time, I'll take it onto my shoulders. I'm so grateful that he did that, because out of that came a harvest of new lives. And if you are a Christ follower, you are part of that harvest that Jesus was talking about then. But Jesus wasn't just talking about himself. He was talking about us as well. And he said, unless we die... To ourselves, we cannot produce a harvest of new lives. We cannot fulfill our primary purpose as seeds, and that's to reproduce others. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read passages like this, I, I, I'm pretty good with the first part. I'm really good with being planted in Christ. I'm great with growing in Christ. I'm great with uh, helping other people be planted in Christ and growing in Christ. But the whole dying thing, like that's just Hard. And it's kind of counterproductive to me. You know, I think, like, if I'm dying, how am I really living? Like I, like, I struggle with that. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said about that in his life. If you don't know the Apostle Paul, he was a guy that God used to radically reshape our world because he wrote most of the New Testament. So the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh or in this earthly body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. So, those of us who call ourselves Christ followers are actually supposed to die to ourselves in order to fulfill the purpose that God has for us as seeds. And I think that's something that most moms know a whole lot about. Moms know a lot about dying to themselves and living for other people. So moms, we're going to need some help from you this morning to answer this next question, okay? So moms, what are some things that we need to die to so we can live for somebody else? And feel free to answer out loud. Personal Personal space. (laughs) Die to our own personal space. (laughs) That bathroom time is special, isn't it? (laughs) Especially if you have a lock on your door. Sleep, die to, to some sleep. Pride and ego. Pride and ego. Now you're getting personal. Are you talking about me, Patty? Yeah, that's some of the stuff I got to work on. No. Needs. Our needs. Our, agenda. Our agendas. Time. Time. Expectations. Expectations. So, mom's way to go. What was that? Hair color? I'm struggling with the application up here, you know, not being a mom. I, okay. I, I died of hair issues on a regular basis. So there's a lot of things that we all need to learn to die to, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're Christ, doesn't matter. Uh, whether you're a parent or not, we all need to learn to die to something for somebody else. Here's some things in my life that I need to die to. I need to die to my pride. I need to die to my selfishness. I need to die to my ego. I need to die to my preferences. I need to die to my opinions, what I think are my rights, sometimes my dreams. There's a lot of things that I need to learn to die to on a regular basis. And I found this to be the hardest part of following Jesus. Jesus learning to die to myself, to live for somebody else. And I want you to think about what happens to a seed when it's planted. And I know that seeds don't have brains, so they're not thinking through what we're thinking through. But again, we're making a connection for our lives, comparing us to seeds. So for a seed, all that it's known in its life is life above ground. All it's known is enjoying the sun and and being replenished by the rain. And then one day that seed gets taken by someone and planted in a cold, dark, dirty place where it's left to die. Don't you just want to be a seed? Like, doesn't that just sound so exciting to be a seed and be planted, you know, in Christ so that you can die? It's a hard thing to do. But let me remind all of us what can happen when we allow that process to, to happen in our lives. Jesus said in verse 24, our death can produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. So that harvest of new lives is people who put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior and get to live forever in a real place called heaven. And Jesus actually said in Matthew 13, 8, he said some of the seeds can reproduce 60 or 30, 60, even 100 times as much as was planted. So I think we need to stay focused on that because it reminds us that new people putting their faith in Jesus are worth dying for. Let me remind all of us that one day, a man died for you so you could have eternal life. And if you've responded to that act of grace, that same man asks you to die to yourself so somebody else might find eternal life recently a a neighbor friend of mine mr. Jim passed away mr. Jim was 93 years old and uh, I was driving home I saw some cars out in front of his house my wife noticed those cars for the past couple of weeks and uh, she was like yeah I wonder if mr. Jim's okay she stopped by to check on him at that point he was okay I stopped by to check on him several weeks later, and his kids told me he had passed. And I was really sad about that, but it reminded me that I needed to die to something in me for Mr. Jim a number of years ago. A number of years ago, a friend of mine challenged me to host a Bible study at my house for my neighbors and to invite all of my neighbors around to our home. And I'll be honest with you, even though I'm a pastor, I did not want to do that. I did not want to be the crazy Christian guy in the neighborhood that invites everybody over for a Bible study, sit around the fireplace eating s'mores and singing Kumbaya. Like, I, just, I just didn't really want to do that. And so eventually I died to that prideful thought. My wife and I bought a stack of books that our Bible study was gonna be based on. And we walked around to our neighbors knocking on doors, handing out books. And we invited our neighbors. We're going to have a Bible study at our house based upon this book. We'd love for you to come. Here's a book. It's a free gift to you. Um, If you come or not, it's yours. Read it. Uh, But I hope you'll come. We had a handful of neighbors show up. Uh, Mr. Jim was one of those neighbors who showed up. And we had some amazing conversations of God's incredible love for all of us. And I don't know if Mr. Jim put his faith and trust in Jesus as his Lord and Savior, but I know for certain he heard how he could do that. So it reminded me again, people putting their faith in Jesus is worth dying for. My pride is the biggest thing that I need to die to in my life. And whether it takes the form of me not wanting to appear foolish in front of other people or it takes the form of me being you know, arrogant or uh, argumentative in a moment or stubborn in some way or just like a plain jerk. I'm like, there are moments like I can just be a jerk. If you, if you question that, ask my wife, ask my kids, like they'll confirm that for you this morning. But that's a thing, you know. My pride is a thing that keeps me from becoming more like Jesus. It's the thing that also keeps other people from meeting Jesus. Sometimes when they interact with me, and I work really hard to keep my pride in check, but there are moments. I just got to tell you, there are moments that I don't do a really good job at that. It just kind of takes uh, takes over and it, it gets the best of me. And here's one example of that. So a few years ago, my family and I were out of town. And we were staying at a place for a few days. And there was a worker at this place that we stayed that did something I thought was totally inappropriate. I was very upset with what they did. And I chose to let them know very angrily. So I had several options in that moment. I could have calmly spoke the truth in love and addressed the issue that needed to be addressed. Or I could have angrily reacted. I chose the latter. So I was upset, and I let them know my displeasure with what they had done, and I finished the sentence by saying, if I were your boss, I would fire you. And I walked out. As I was walking to the car, I was so grateful that I was not in Flagler County, where there are many people (laughs) who know that I am a pastor. I was just grateful for that, and I was extremely saddened. So I walked to the car, I was just incredibly grieved, at the choice that I made in that moment to allow my pride to get the best of me and to, like, possibly keep somebody from meeting Jesus one day. Now, I know we make mistakes and, you know, we can be forgiven for that kind of stuff, but in those moments when I let my pride get the best of me, like, it hurts people that God loves. Here's was another uh, example recently. I was driving home. And I was in deep thought. And have you ever driven, like you've gotten someplace, and you're not sure how you got there, because you were like in such deep thought, like, did I turn? I don't know. I just I got here. And so I'm, I'm pulling into our neighborhood, and I forgot to turn my blinker on. And there was a guy pulling out of our neighborhood waiting to see if I was going to go straight or turn uh, into our neighborhood. And when I turned but didn't have my blinker on, he let me know his displeasure. And he rolled his window down. He yelled and screamed, and he told me to peel the banana. If you know what that means. <laughs> so I, I was interesting as I pull into my neighborhood and I see this interaction. And I'm, I'm going like, what just happened? Like I, I didn't do anything wrong. Oh, I didn't turn my blinker on. That's why the guy was angry. You know, what inside of me, instead of being calm and praying for the guy, I was angry. <laughs> They were not righteous emotions that were rising up in me, and I wanted to turn my truck around and run him off the road. But thankfully, I was close to home and didn't want to waste the gas. And as, as I was going home, again, God just reminded me, you got to die to that, Trent. Like, you, you're just filled with pride in moments. Like, you got to defeat that thing that's inside of you. So me dying to my pride is a regular thing that I have to deal with, and one of the Bible verses that helps me battle my pride is Proverbs 15:1. It says this, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. So when I focus on answering gently, I keep my pride in check. When I react, my pride takes control, and again, it hurts some of the people that God loves. So that's like one of the biggest issues that I need to die to in my life. But what about you? What do you need to die to? Is it your pride? Is it your ego? Is it your selfishness? Is it a control issue? Do you think you're right about everything and everybody else is wrong? Do you not want to appear foolish before other people? And that's something you need to die to so somebody else might find Jesus. Like, what do you need to die to so somebody else might have the opportunity to find Jesus. I want you to imagine what can happen if all of us as Christ followers in our community decided to die to ourselves and live for other people. Just imagine what could happen. Jesus said there could be a a harvest, a plentiful harvest of new lives. So that means thousands of people in our community could come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Is that worth dying for, for ourselves? Yes, it's worth dying for. I, mean, I think marriages could be restored. I think broken families could be put back together. I think people dealing with addictions could get some real help for that and get on the positive side of battling that thing. I think people could resolve conflicts. I think people would look for many opportunities to die to themselves daily so somebody else just might find Jesus. We would have that eternal perspective. If that kind of stuff's going to happen in our community, we have to go first. Like we have to learn to die to ourselves so somebody else might find life. So here's some ways that we can do that as a church family. First, we can figure out how to serve our community more. We serve our community a lot. I think we should figure out how to serve our community more. One of the questions that we've been asking since the beginning of our church is, if we were to cease to exist as a church, would our community miss us? Not would our church family miss us? Would our community miss us? Would our community care? We have been working hard to answer that question for almost 10 years. And through events like 3G Saturday, 3G Sunday, or other partnerships as we serve in our community are helping to answer that question. There are more and more people in our community. There are more and more organizations in our community that say, we would miss Epic if Epic weren't here. And the reason they would say that is because they're interacting with many of you. Many of you are answering the question we've been asking since before you've even come to be a part of our church family. I am so grateful for what you do. I'm so proud of of what you're doing in our community. And I think God wants us to do more. I think there's more that we can do. I think there's thousands of people that have real physical, emotional, and spiritual needs in our community. And I think God wants us to help meet those real needs As we talked about last week, if we can help meet somebody's physical need or emotional need, they might let us help meet a spiritual need. The biggest need they have in their lives for all of eternity is to meet Jesus and be transformed by him. So here's some things that we're planning on doing. Number one, we're planning on hiring a new staff member that's going to help us establish a care network. We're in conversations with a staff, a potential staff member right now that potentially will be coming on staff in the next few months. And that staff member is going to help us unite many of the amazing resources that we have in our community already and help people take a next step with their physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. And I can see the day where people in our community find out somebody else has a need and they say, hey, you know who you should call? You should call that epic church place because they're willing to help you take a next step. Now, we can't provide all the resources everybody needs in our community. We can't. There's some great things in our community that we won't do because there's great resources already. Like We don't need a food pantry. We don't need to start an epic food pantry. Grace Community Food Pantry does an amazing job at that. We need to support them in what they are doing. So we can't meet all the needs that, that everybody has, but we can sure help somebody take a next step. We can connect them with some of those resources. Another one of those resources that I'm asking God to help us establish over the next few years is a professional counseling center. I can't tell you the number of people that I talk to on a regular basis that ask for professional counseling that are in need of professional Christian biblical counseling. And we need more of those resources in our community. And so I would love for God to to use us to provide that to our community. Another thing that we're in works on, we're pursuing on right now is land so that one day we can build a building and we can continue to serve our community out of that permanent home location for us. To just give you an update on that, we are in negotiations right now on three different pieces of property in our community. And we're not trying to buy all three. Okay. Just to be clear, we just want to buy one. All right, But we're in negotiations and we're praying that God would open doors or close doors and that God would make it clear which piece of property he wants us to have. So uh, if this is your church, I'm going to invite you to be a part of that as we continue to walk down that road. So also for us to accomplish what God is, is asking us to do as a church family, we've got to together keep learning to die to ourselves, investing our time, talents, and resources in what God is doing in our church family. So last week, I challenged some of you to find a place to serve. Like If this is your church home, and if you haven't found a place to serve yet, I just encourage you, find a place to serve. God has given you some amazing gifts. He's given you some time, and he wants you to use that stuff in what will last forever, and reinvesting that through a local church. So we've got all kinds of opportunities to, to be involved. And you saw on stage this morning, there, there were a whole bunch of families with kids. Like our children's ministry continues to grow. It's fantastic. So you can be involved in our children's ministry, our student ministry, our, our prep team, setup team, teardown team, our tech team, our worship team. There's all kinds of opportunities for you to be involved in what God is doing in our church family. We'll need some of you to be involved in our care network as that is established. And I've already spoken with a few of you about that. So there's a lot of opportunities for you to be involved. I want you to listen to what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter nine. As he looked around at the people that he was serving and they were serving together, he noticed that they were confused, helpless, and like sheep without a shepherd. And so in verse 37, Jesus told his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. So if you're a Christ follower, like I'm praying that you'll respond to God sending you into the fields of Flagler County and helping us reach more and more people with a life-changing message of Jesus Christ. There are so many people in our community that are confused, that are helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd and they need to meet Jesus. So people putting their faith in Jesus, are worth dying for. And let me remind you, one day a man died for you. And that same man asks you to respond to his amazing grace by learning to die so somebody else might have eternal life. Last week, I also challenged you to invest your financial resources here. I told you that God's one and only plan to reach the world with a life-changing message of Jesus Christ is to use local churches who carry that message. So look around for just a second, okay? Look who's beside you. This is God's plan right here for God to use us to radically transform Flagler County and other churches like us in our community. And God's plan to finance his mission is for Christ followers to join together through this ancient spiritual discipline called tithing. Something that God instituted in the Old Testament and Jesus confirmed in the New Testament. And it's the practice of giving 10% of our income back to God through a local church. And I know many of you are tithing. Listen to what God says about tithing in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the only place in scripture God says we can test him. Every other place in scripture says, don't test me. You know what I found in my life? I like to test God in every other place. For the past 21 years, my wife and I have been testing God through this passage. We've been tithing. giving 10% of our income back to God through the local church that we've been a part of, and we give special offerings above that as we feel led. And if if you aren't doing that, I challenge you to put God to the test. I challenge you to take our 90-day tithe challenge. So for 90 days, give 10% of your income back to God through a local church and see what God does. If at the end of those 90 days, if you don't see God keeping his promise in your life, if you don't see God doing something supernatural in you, if you don't sense that tithing is sustainable for you, then we will give you your money back, no questions asked. No questions asked. All you got to do is you got to let us know that you're a new tither, And like I said last week, this isn't a Christmas savings plan, okay? So this isn't the, hey, let me get ready for Christmas, set a little money aside, the church will hold it. So that's not what this is about. This is about us learning to trust God and put him to the test. In the one spot in scripture, he says, go ahead, test me, test me. Trust me with your resources. See if I want to open the windows of heaven and bless your life. Now, let me be clear on a couple of things. I don't think this this points to prosperity theology, I don't believe that if you give God $100, he's gonna give you $1,000 back. He might. I don't think this is what this is talking about. I think we gotta understand eternal rewards, the blessings of heaven far outweigh any dollar sign that you could put in your bank. We gotta hold on to that. It's about new lives being transformed, it's about our lives being transformed for Him. So we gotta hold on to that. Now, if this morning you question my motives, Let's say that you haven't been to church in 20 years and you left church 20 years ago because some pastor was asking you for money you come in today and you're like, oh no, again. It's all they ever talk about. If you think I'm after to your money, give somewhere else. Don't give here. I'm not interested in your money. I'm interested in us planting the seeds of our lives together, investing our time, talents, and resources in the only thing that will last forever and that's people. So I'm inviting you to be a part of that through investing your time, your talents, and your resources. Jesus said in John 12, 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Verse 25, he said, those who love their life in this world will lose it, but those who care nothing for their life in this world, will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So dying to ourselves is one of the hardest things to do, and yet it is eternally rewarding. So what do you need to die to so somebody else might find eternal life? In just a minute, I'm going to pray, and then our worship team is going to close us out in a song about trusting God when trusting God is hard. And so as we're singing this song together, what I encourage you to do is just ask that question. Okay, God, what do I need to die to so somebody else might find life? Is it my pride? Is it my ego? Is it my selfishness? Is it I just don't want to appear foolish to somebody else? What do you need to die to So somebody else might find life in Christ. So let's pray together. Lord, this is an extremely challenging passage that we're looking at here from Jesus. And Jesus, we're grateful that you modeled for us what it means to die to yourself so that other people might find eternal life And Lord, you you went to the cross, taking on our sin to pay our sin debt so that we could be possibly restored in a right relationship with our Heavenly Father through faith in you. And Lord, this morning, there just might be somebody here who's never put their faith and trust in you. And I just pray like like, today could be the day for them. Today could be the day they, they fling the door open of their heart and say, Jesus, I need you. If you're in that spot, I just encourage you to tell Jesus that you believe he died so you can live and ask him to come into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior and he will, he will do that. He will take up residence in your heart. He will take up residence in your life and then he will teach you how to be planted in him, how to grow in him, how to reproduce others for him. And Lord, There are many of us who have a relationship with you and our struggle point always is the dying part. That's kind of scary. And yet it is so incredibly rewarding when we get past the fear of being planted in some dark, cold, dirty place that we're not sure what to do or how to behave. And yet when we learn to die to ourselves and live for you and live for other people, we can be part of seeing a a plentiful harvest of new lives, new people putting their faith and trust in you who will get to live forever. So Lord, I pray that we would have that perspective with our lives. I pray that every time we walk into our community, we leave our homes, we we go out and interact with anybody, we would see those people as a potential harvest. I pray that you would release more of us into our community to serve. God, you're the God of the harvest. The harvest is great in our community. The harvest is great in our world, and we need more workers so I pray that more workers would respond to you sending us into our community, our nation, and our world. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this, amen.